Wow. What a year, right? If you're listening and it's like 2025, you probably still know what year I'm talking about. I mean, please tell me you do. Because if you can't choose between 2021 or 2023 and didn't even think about us here in 2020, then what the fuck? For the lot of you, though, who are listening at the point this comes out, welcome back to Chasm Quest. We love you, and we know things will get better. <laughs> um, because it's necessary. I would like to say, Black Lives Matter, Queer and Trans Lives Matter, and if you support them, then please vote like they matter. We need new leadership, period. Now that that's said, this episode here is sort of our season three, episode zero, in that there's introductory material that's crucial for the upcoming season. But this time it's a little different. This time it's actually season zero, episode zero, meaning this was our very first recording ever. We called them demos for a long time because it was our first session. Our first time sitting in front of microphones together. Hell, it was Taylor's first time meeting Colin. And now they're roommates. Aww. And we sat around a table and recorded what ended up being Chasm Quest. I know, it's a real tearjerker of a story. Five friends sitting down on a cold January afternoon. I believe the year was 2018, and we all gathered to play and eventually become our characters for the very first time. Then we released it, and it was some quality shit. We probably lost listeners because of it. LOL. So we pulled the demos off of our main channel and shoved them into a deep, dark closet. But we are no longer ashamed, for here we present to you, the listener, Chasm Quest Beginnings, a four-part introduction to our beloved Rowdy Boys, Telnius, Kal'un, Ayas, and Rory. Oh, and some lovely NPCs as well, but who really cares about them? This is the first thing to take place within the Rowdy Sagas, so chronologically it happens right before Season 1, Episode 1. We wanted to share it with you now at the beginning of Season 3 because A... We actually had some time to fix our god-awful mic techniques, including no fewer than 1,000 ums, and B, some of these ground-zero interactions and moments influence the narrative in Season 3. Quick Season 2 finale spoiler alert, the Rowdy Boys are heading back home to Trayland. Now, I'm going to do a pretty hefty intro to the episode, and if you wish to just skip right to it, skip right to this Chasm Quest Beginnings refurbished episode, go to 5 minutes and 45 seconds. If not, here's some helpful information to keep all the details in order. This episode not only introduces the PCs, but also the nation that they are from, Trayland, and its three interconnected islands, Norholm, Sutland, and Kinsdale. Reminder, you can find detailed maps on our website, chasmquest.com. In each part of this episode, we are taken from the current year of our Rowdy Saga beginning, the year of our Lord Thesla 1299, which is referred to in the show as LT. Some of the historical events that the High Tide Festival performances present transport the PCs and we, the listeners, to as far back as 320 BP, which is before peace. 
LT and BP work exactly like AD and BC do in our world. BP years and Traylon count down to the first LT year. From there, it counts back up. The four parts jump around. The first, 320 BP. Second, 742 LT. Then, 1 LT. But all start and end in 1299 LT, the most recent year, the year it all began. We use short transition music like this to highlight when we are metaphorically time traveling, and longer musical interludes to transition from one PC's narrative to the next. You can get a visual of how the timeline works in the historical documents from our Season 1 wiki on our website. Those are the Annals of the Brave and Order of Thessala documents. Or the best option, the new Timeline of a New History in our Season 3 wiki. We try to do our best to show and not tell on this podcast, but this was an ambitious undertaking for an intro episode. Overall, though, we were really happy with the roleplay between PCs and NPCs and the immersive historical storytelling that we got from this episode. So in order to get it out to you, the listener, we refined over three hours into its essential hour and 20 minutes. So you know you are getting what is important here. And without any further ado, I now present to you the dear, dear listeners, Chasm Quest Beginnings. Part 1. Penton. Telnius, the miracle worker, and the burning of Thesla. Within the city of Penton, on the island Norholm, there is a city center, where usually the circle is lined with merchants and beggars. But on this day, the High Tide Festival, during the summer solstice of Traylon, there is a grand stage at the center of the hundreds of people gathered. They are taking seats on the surrounding rough-hewn benches. The smell of wine is in the air. The sun is just setting, and torches and lamps keep the stage lit. Among the crowd is a young man, dressed in the vestments of Thesla. Cream-colored robes with the double infinity symbol embroidered on the back. The young cleric wipes the sweat from under his shaggy brown hair as the summer's humidity hangs in the air. He becomes thankful for the evening breeze. He's sitting three rows back with a tankard of wine, sipping away and watching a group of performers take the stage. They are dressed in the fashion of the ancient Kinsdalians, simple garments with wooden tassels. Their leader addresses the audience while the others take their place. Welcome, welcome, my brothers and sisters. I greet you in the name of the Lord. May peace ever be our plight, the audience responds, and our neighbors a gift, he continues. We gather here to celebrate the changing of seasons, the passing of time, and yet the remembrance of the past the heroes who have paved the way for Traylon's unity. The hero we remember tonight is the man who sparked communion into the segregated lands. And though we have far to go, we believe that Thesla is ever guiding us toward divine peace. Yes, tonight we remember the sacrifice of our Lord Thesla. 
On this night over 1,500 years ago, Thessala was burned alive in front of a crowd much like the one gathered here today. He was murdered after standing up for the oppressed and debating the high lord of the time. They could not silence him with words, so they resorted to violence. Tonight, we'll watch the original followers of Lord Thessala as they escape Westwick during the year 320 BP. So you guys have been separated from the rest of your band, and you've been hiding out um, at a, uh, a an empathizer's house since the execution. Too scared to go outside for fear of facing the same fate as um, Tesla. So we all know each other. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Micah, your character actually has the original copy of the Revelations of Tesla, and it's a book that you do not let far from you, um, and you do readings from it at night to kind of help calm your uh, compatriots, but most of you have just been in like pure anxiety for the past three days, all right? One night, Adam returns uh, to the house, and you guys are sleeping. It's late at night, but then you hear the ladder being climbed and the trap door swing open. Everyone, wake up. Oh, what's going on? They've just announced the beginning of Manhunt. Anyone who was following or reading any of the, any of the writings of Thessala, especially that book there. I immediately reach for the book and clutch it to my, my chest. Uh, anything related to Thessala is to be burned at the stake just as he was. We need to get you out of Westwick as soon as possible. Adam continues, I've already made all the arrangements, but the less you know, the better in case you're captured to ensure the safety of the others. Uh, whenever you're ready, let's go. Oh, absolutely. Let's go. Let's do it then. Um, so you guys follow him down the mm-hmm. ladder into the main part of the house, and he takes you out to his back door. You follow him. You're kind of like slowly, like jog pace, mm-hmm. um, and you follow him uh, down one alleyway, take a turn, take another turn. You guys, you know, you just woke up, so you're a little like just foggy yeah. um, in the head, so you're not really following the exact route he's taking, but he seems really sure about where he's mm-hmm. going until he comes to the edge of one of the houses, and you guys need to cross the street. And this time, Adam kind of says, wait, like with his hand, Mm. gives you the stop symbol and um, asks you to like get against the wall. Two guards who are probably um, 50 feet away, you see them turn around and Adam instantly turns to all three of you and says, run, follow me. And you guys start bolting. And you can all hear 50 feet back as there's uh, clanging armor and uh, men yelling, stop there, stop where you at. So you guys are following him again, and he, he kind of stops you all, and you do that like kind of comedic like accordion. <laughs> up. Yeah. And uh, he, he pulls you guys to the left, and it's kind of behind uh, a restaurant or tavern establishment. And he jumps up and pulls down uh, the second half nice. of a ladder. And so you four get to the top, and Adam kind of folds the ladder back up just as the voices of the guards come down that alleyway. And you guys can kind of peer over the roof as they continue to chase uh, Adam away. Cool. Whew. And so you guys are all four kind of stuck on this roof. That was close. Where, where do we go? Where do we go from here? Uh, west towards the coast. I'm not going back down that ladder. It looks like there's a couple of rooftops that are connected to the establishment that do head west. You hear kind of off to the south, um, 
the the guards continue running um, and you guys continue on. There's another couple of buildings that are easily, um, you know, you're going level to level, climbing up and down. And at one point, a figure approaches the roofs. And uh, once you get closer, you guys are kind of scared, about to turn the other way, but the moonlight reveals that it is Adam. I lost the gods. Uh, let's continue this way. He uh, continues to lead you guys. And then you come to one last gap. And so all four of you make it to the other end, but you see Adam kind of slip up and you see him hanging on the edge of the uh, rooftop. And before you can like make a move toward him, you see guards come around the corner, point up to him, and you just see him give one last look back and mouth the word go before you hear two crossbow bolts fly through the air and peg him once in the ribs and once in the back and you just see him fall from the rooftop and land on the ground. You guys hear as they run over to Adam's body and don't notice that there's other people running. So what do we know? Like we were supposed to head towards the coast. That's mm-hmm. a good place to get away. That's what we know. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. At the other end of this building is the pier. So while everyone else was stealthing really well and they're like going really slow, you just kind of like ducked away and army crawled to the other side and you're looking out at the boats and you actually see about um, 30 paces uh, north, you see a boat mm. that looks large enough to fit you all and you see like one uh, hooded figure kind of like peering up and looking around and then uh, stealthing back down. I turn to everybody. Um, there's there's a boat with a hooded character in it. I, I think we should go for it. We should make a break for this boat. Is it just one man? Just one man. We can take him if he's, if he's not for the cause. I'm for it. Let's go. You make it to the bottom of the, the crates and all that, and you're kind of like low running uh, over to the... Uh, ship and um, once you get there the cloaked figure kind of peers out you see him at first reach for possibly a sword but then as your faces become uh, apparent in the moonlight you see this man uh, uncloak himself and you recognize him he greets you all in the name of Thesla and he uh, gets you all onto the ship gift in the other gift in the other to you and you guys start making your way towards Norholm where eventually uh, you will meet up with the other four original followers of Thesla to begin the Abbey of the Eights. All right, so we're transporting back to Penton. The year is 1299, and uh, the performers on the stage, there were five of them, are all bowing. The, um, the play has just ended, and everyone's just kind of hanging out. Um, the young cleric who was present to watch the show uh, has kind of just gotten out of his seat. He's, he's maybe like a little tipsy after the amount of wine he's drank, and he's looking for someone very specific. He kind of wanders the crowd. There's different groups of people who know each other or maybe haven't seen each other for a while. It's, it's a big festival, so you know some families use it for their gatherings together. There's even some wood elves from the surrounding forests who have come out uh, for this event. Not that they necessarily are into the same traditions and all that, but they come to pay respects and that kind of thing. 
So you kind of like chug the last of your wine and you're kind of meandering about and it takes you longer than you would want. But finally you come across uh, a group and there's one specific voice that kind of catches your ear. It's almost like a ringing noise, the way that you have a physiological reaction Mm -hmm. to this man's voice. Mm -hmm. So you look up uh, to find the source of that voice and you see the abbot of the monastery that you have resided at and you see two other folks who you've never seen before but they're dressed in the way that like nobles of westwick would dress Mm -hmm. and the last person you see wearing very similar vestments as yours um a little bit like whereas yours are cream colored his are white and there is a much bolder black uh, symbol of uh thesla which is the double double infinity 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 symbol embroidered on the back and you actually see the back of his head he's bald he's an older gentleman and he has a tattoo of the double infinity symbol just at the nape of his neck where the neck and head uh meet he's kind of uh talking telling a joke and the rest of the people are laughing as soon as i notice and recognize him i drop my wine skin and kind of like lose track of like where I'm at and just kind of get, um, I like, I actually physically feel like goosebumps. Mm. Um, and then I just kind of like get, gain my composure again, pick up my wineskin and anxiously, uh, approach Bishop Cullum may peace ever be our plight. He stops laughing. The rest of the guys are still kind of laughing and he turns around when he sees you, he kind of is a little taken aback. Mm. He responds and our neighbors, a gift, Telnius, a surprise to see you here at the festival. Cullum, do you do you have a moment? I would I would love to chat. Of course, I have no problem chatting here, but you may prefer a bit more uh, private audience. He senses the look you're giving him and the tone of right. voice you're using. I never with break him. eye contact, never even acknowledge anyone around. He smiles to you, raises his glass, of course. And he turns around and says, Gentlemen, if you'd give me a moment, Abbott, terribly sorry. He comes over and he grabs you by the arm and starts taking you toward a place between uh, buildings, like a small alleyway. He doesn't stop. Uh, guiding you until you guys are behind a few mm-hmm. crates, and he says, "Telnius, uh, I've uh, I've been meaning to uh, look about for you. How I've heard dare of you. How uh, dare you? You." And I just kind of start sobbing, uh, like uncontrollably. How dare you? And that's all I can say is, "Telnius, keep your voice down. I don't give a shit about my voice. You are here, and and your promises. I." And again, I just start crying. Telly. Please, and he kind of like puts a uh, hand on your shoulder and he says, "Listen, listen. I've I've heard how much you've grown and 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 the abilities. I'm so sorry. I've had to be away, uh, making room for Thessla's church in the new lands. But I'm back now. I'm back here in Penton. And in fact, I've been looking for you. Well, I kind of like wipe the the tears from my eyes. What what do you what do you mean? You've been looking for me." Well, the first time I tried to make contact here, you apparently had run off to the wilderness, but I'm glad to see you've returned, and uh, I've heard much of your abilities. I uh, uh, I just wanted to come and say hello. Uh, yes, Thessalon called me back, and now I'm back in the church. This is uh, where I belong. Yes, it seems you uh, you got to me first. Was there anything you wanted to discuss? Your promise to me. That's what I wanted to discuss. Oh, 
Well, I mean, every acolyte is promised the gifts of Thessla. I mean, you became a cleric. Look at you. You've grown up. I'm, I'm not sure what more Thessla could no. do to provide for you. No. I have more than you know on you, and I need and deserve what you said you'd give me. If you're referring to what I think you're referring, and he is like visibly angry, veins popping out of his neck. I kind of like move my hand to like a, a dirk or a knife that I have. Okay. Um, that's visible, like like the handle. You kind of like pull back yeah. your cloak mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. He says, there's no need for that. I'm just saying, and he grabs your arm again. I'm just saying, if you're referring to what I think you're referring to, hear me out. I can fulfill certain promises for you. I start to like move my hand away from my dirk. There's no need for you to become an enemy of the church. Now, have you heard of these excursions? The uh, one specifically of Lord Alistair to go from the western coast of the New Lands all the way to the eastern reach? No, no, I don't. Well, my friend... If you were to accompany me on this excursion, which will be my last as bishop, I could name you as the next Bishop of Trayland. I kind of like take a step back. Well, uh, really? Like almost like a child, uh, my voice quivers, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, no, no, you, you've made these promises before, I... Really? Why else would I come back to Penton to see my perfect acolyte, Telnius? Other than to give you apprenticeship under me. Like, turn to the side and just... uh, This is a lot to think about. Give me some time. Where will you be? Well, I have a lot to attend to. But listen, if you are willing, then in three days' time... With all your belongings that you wish to take with you, come to Westwick and meet at the Goose's Gourd. There we'll have a meeting uh, prior to shipping off for the New Lands. You'll not only go down in the annals of the brave, but you will be set to become the youngest bishop Trayland has ever seen. I kind of uh, stand up more straight, chest out. And, yes, that, that does sound promising. Let me think. If I'm there, I'm there. If not, may Thessla scorn you. And I turn and walk. Part two, Octacraig, Call Un, the Iron Throat, and the Battle of Mawfield, Orcish Wars, 742LT. Telnius has been uh, traveling from Penton to Octocraig, so he's traveled by horseback south to Pontyshire. At Pontyshire, you're taking a ferry from there over to Octocraig. So the channel between Norholm and Sutland, it wavers between no water at all, and you can cross by dry land, Hmm. or the tide is high, and you have to use a boat ferry. 
thus it being high tide festival, the tide is high during mm. this season. So it took you a little bit longer than you had expected. You had packed up your bags and got to the ferry and you can tell it's going to be a little bit later than you expected when you get to Octacraig. So you're going to need to spend the night in the city of Octacraig before you can take the ferry from Octacraig to Westwick. Mm -hmm. So you cross the ferry and uh, you can see in the distance as uh, you near Sutland is mainly plains uh, and fields, except for this almost like a pride rock cliff sticking out um, at the bottom of which uh, are gates. And these are the gates to Octacraig. So the ferry brings you in. There's a small port there. There's a small path that or a road that will lead you to those gates. But the walls basically meld into the cliff sides as they raise up. At the top, you can see outlined by the full moon is the castle of Octacraig, which is at the top of what's called the Royal Mile, that stretch of road that leads from the gates all the way to the top. Okay. This was a uh, an old fort built during the Orcish Wars and has become a city since then. You approach the gates, you're let in, and you go not expecting a lot of people, but as you near the top of the Royal Mile, the more affluent community, you realize there's a party almost, you know, on par with the festival you had last night. Well, it turns out that the High Tide Festival in Octacraig was pushed back a day because of rain. So it happens on the next day. So you're actually in luck and not luck because you've happened upon Octacraig during its High Tide Festival. At first, you're happy. You then realize it's going to be impossible to get a room in any tavern. So after thinking things through, you realize, oh, I'll try the nearest monastery or mm -hmm. um, chapel. So you do, and you happen to secure a place to stay. You set your bags down, and you're kind of tired, but you, just with the anxiety of everything, you decide to go and join the festivities. Cool. And, you know, you're a little hungover, but mm -hmm. you're like, one more night, hair of the dog, right. why not? <laughs> so you go out, there's a stage set up just at the base of the castle and there's just huge, uh, like two bonfires lighting the, the background of this stage. Just as you've gotten that tankard of wine, yeah. um, a group of performers takes the stage. The most notable is the tallest dwarf you've ever seen. Mm. Like he definitely has all the features of a dwarf, just about a foot and a half taller. Wow. He's in the middle, in the spotlight, mm -hmm. backlit by these fires. A few performers take the stage behind him, kind of creating a semicircle behind him, almost like a choir. The, the character, I'll give a little brief mm. description. He has a large, rusty beard. Uh, he's dressed in a kilt, which is the traditional garb for dwarves during the Orcish Wars. And you can tell he's got kind of this dark wig on, uh, and he resembles what the annals of the brave have described Ivan Barley Barrel. Ivan Barley Barrel was a young dwarf who began his life in the caves of Ben Ness as a brewer. When the Orcish Wars of 742 started, he made one last delivery of ale to the small Ben Ness port. Because once he arrived, he stowed away inside of one of his, you guessed it, barley barrels, on a barge of soldiers headed to Octocrag. They were to join the troops located on the fields outside of Octocrag. Once he got there, he acted as bartender for the troops and was always a bright spirit. The generals knew that he had gotten to the camp by unconventional means, but did not ask him to leave because of the morale he gave to the troops. His deeds of the Battle of Mawfield are recounted in the following poem, singing classic Octocrag. 
Ivan Barley Barrel, the battle bar of beer, did brew his strongest ale to relieve the soldiers' fear. At the cap of Mallfield, the orcs attacked at dawn. He stood upon his bar and sang this telling song. Dilly-dum, dilly-dee, do not flee. Take a swig, take a shot, and your arrows release. Grab a sword, grab a spear, take up your shield. To defend this old land, beautiful Mawfield. Diddly-dum, diddly-dee, do not flee. Take a swig, take a shot, bring the orcs to their knees. Think of land, think of riches, and the children ye save. Think of glorious tales, join the annals of the brave. When his song had ended, the troops were looking frail. So the young dwarf shut up and put down his ale. He grabbed up a sword and he took up a shield. As he marched bravely forward onto bloody Mawfield. His song is remembered in times of peace or war. As an honor to all bards and, and the legend, legend that, that he bore. We now travel back in time to 742, the Battle of Mawfield during the Orcish Wars. The troops have been surrounded by the Orcish forces. Colin, you are playing as Ivan Barley Barrel this classic uh, hero from the Orcish Wars. So in the small circle that, that your group of soldiers has made, all of a sudden this this dwarf who you all uh, recognize as the brewer and the, the bartender, he comes up with a sword and a shield and you were kind of frightened before, but you're like, if the bartender's out here and, and brave, kind of boosts your spirits. I look at my companions and I race forward with my short sword and I slash down at one of the orcs. And I nat one. <laughs> <laughs> so you see your compatriot just like run, jump, and come down with his sword, but the orc kind of looks up and and like lifts up his shield and blocks uh, the character and shoves him off, and he kind of gives you all the, the devil's glare. Ivan sees this, so he runs to his side to attack the same orc. You run up and you stab at the orc's stomach, but again, uh -huh. that shield, it's like this big kind of woven wood, a barbaric kind of shield. He slams your sword away from him, and his black eyes just look right down at you, kind of piercing you. This isn't looking good. My, my uh, soldier sees that they um, have both failed at their melee attacks and decides uh, to attack via magic. So I cast Scorching Ray. First, I want to go through. I want to burn up the shield. So okay. first, I take out the shield. So he's just like, <laughs> and like so then, he's surprised that yeah, his shield. Yeah, and then I want the other down. two to hit him like simultaneously, um, like just right in the chest. Yeah, he's knocked back. His body, his dead body, is just scorched uh, in flames. Uh, before well, I weakened him for you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, three more, and we'll go to Brad's soldier character. Um, I just go like, friggin' orcs, don't scare me, and I'm just like get ticked off, and but I got like this smile, like this grin on my face that widens. Nice. I pull out my warhammer, I whip it around, and I just like chart. I get right up in the one's face that's closest to me. You like swing down, and like the leg just becomes dislocated and flies Ooh. away. And this orc falls to his knees, like begging for his life. Uh, the other two standing ones, uh, they jump on you, uh, Brad Soldier. The first one misses, the second one hits. 
Oh, uh, can I go ahead and retcon? Uh, right after burning the guy, I say, uh, toasty. <laughs> nope, too late. <laughs> Please don't that say is, that. That is not canon. Nobody make a t-shirt out of that. So those are the only two up. The other one right. is trying to crawl away, giving Brad and Colin a, an attack of opportunity on the one crawling away. Brad, your warhammer crushes the calf muscle of the other leg, so he's not crawling any for uh, any farther forward. So just as he's screeching out, uh, you bring down uh, your sword and just straight into the spine and just and like twist it in. And this dude is just the blood just pools underneath his body like black uh, orcish blood. It's, uh, it's pretty gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> I put I, I put two fingers of each hand in the in the blood and then I wipe it under my eyes oh, like a, like yes. a football player. Hell yeah, <laughs> Taylor, you get uh, advantage on this next roll because seeing Ivan Barley Barrel just like has put inspired these, you. Put these like war Fantastic. paint on. Yeah, I get up and I race toward the closest orc next to me. Yeah, advantage. I guess I get to roll again. Yeah, because you might crit. Ooh, and I crit. Nice. Oh! Yes! Hell yes, advantage. Nice. Hell yeah. You stand back up, and like one orc maybe runs past you just in the fray of battle, and you kind of like bounce uh, this guy off with uh, your shielded arm, and you just run forward, and you do the same move you did on that first orc, and you just leap up and bring your sword down. Like, like Troy style? Yeah, oh, right yes. into the shoulder and just bring it down on the left side uh, where his heart would be, and you just pull it out. And this this orc it doesn't even have a chance to react. He's just instantly dead and falls back. Um, so there's still one up. We'll go back to Ivan Barley. I look at the second one oh. and I say, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> he pees a little. He yeah. says, I figured. Yeah, he doesn't understand me. <laughs> and while, while he's saying that, I'm pointing at him and cast True Strike. I got a 22. Oh, that hits. Yeah, that definitely hits. How do you... Um, Filet mignon the next one. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to do kind of the exact opposite of the Troy, and I'm going to go, because I'm, I'm a little bit shorter, so right. especially because this character is a full dwarf, mm-hmm. so I'm going from underneath, like, and skewering him, you know? You're almost, like, running through him. Like, killing him is just, like, a part of running forward. You, you run up, it's so fluid, and you just bring that sword up, skewer him, and just wipe the orc off your sword. Like, things are looking really great in your circle, but after you take out all four of these orcs, you guys look up, and you're so encouraged but you realize a majority of your dwarven and human forces have been slaughtered and pushed back closer to the uh, Mawfield encampment. And so you actually realize the, the orcs are, are winning this battle. And your encouragement starts to dwindle a little bit as you see more and more of them just slaughtering people around you when all of a sudden... Someone looks up to the east and they shout, Look! Look! To the east! Riders! The glimmer of armor and dust is being kicked up as these elven riders are coming into the orcish lines, flanking them. They come in and just break through. And as they go through, you realize the orcs are beginning to retreat. It's now the the forces of dwarves, elves, and humans for the first time during the Orcish Wars banding together to push their forces back. When all of a sudden you hear screams right close by you, and all of a sudden you see a horse 
fly through the air and land about two feet away from where you guys are. It's Croc! Croc Silvervein! Run! And you guys know Croc Silvervein as the leader of the Orcish armies. And boom, boom, boom. You see this monstrous large creature, an orc in full plate armor, run up. He's only got his bare hands, but they may as well be claws. As he's running forward, he's grabbing people left and right and just throwing them into their comrades. One of the elven riders leaps over the horse that was thrown and he has a lance ready and he's charging towards Croc. And uh, he brings the lance down and catches Croc at the shoulder. It sort of just sticks in him, and the rider keeps going to turn around for another pass. Croc rips out the lance from his shoulder and breaks it on his knee, cursing in his native tongue. On the second pass, the horse lord has another lance ready, and he's getting closer and closer. When Croc, with unbelievable agility, dodges the lance point and grabs the elf from atop the horse and throws him to the ground. Yeah, Ivan Barley Barrel, what does your character do? Okay. uh... There's kind of uh, two or three right around. I'm going to cast Thunder Wave. You guys watch as Ivan Barley Barrel just like rolls through the line of orcs and stands behind and just slams his fist into the ground and his energy just emits from him and knocks these orcish soldiers forward. They're flayed and I'm actually going to give all three of you guys who aren't Ivan Barley Barrel attacks of opportunity as these orcs are literally flying toward you. I don't get it. Okay, so yours, the guy just like slams into you and you're mm. kind of like hugging his mangled body. Yeah. Like he's not looking good. I get him. Uh, Brad's <laughs> soldier got swing, a 12. Yeah, uh, swing my Warhammer and do uh, 12 points of damage. It's almost like a baseball game and you just, bam, right in the side of the head. This orc head is a home fucking run, <laughs> baby. Did you hit? I continue to bleed. so as you guys kind of clear the orcs you look over because the battle between croc and this lone elven rider has pretty much become what everyone's watching most of the other orcs have started to flee because the elves are just wiping out these orcs the elf rises up and his helm is bent and sundered he removes it it is revealed to be Chief Elsafar of the Sandalwood Tribe, champion of the War of the Three, and member of the First Council. He draws two silver swords and takes a battle stance. Croc runs toward him, swiping his arm. The elf ducks down, gets behind him, brings one of the swords, and he slashes the back of him. Croc turns around and picks him back up and throws him into uh, a line of soldiers. Chief Elsifar rises back up. He's kind of bruised and battered at this point, but he runs forward, again dodging one of Croc's swipes down, and at this point, when he raises his sword, will come back out of history and back into the play as there's two who are performing the the choreography of the battle, and one of the elven presenters is reading a passage from the Annals of the Brave. Chief Elsifar sunk one of his blades into the thigh of Croc, and when the orc was crippled, the chief went in for a killing blow. But Croc took Elsifar by the throat and squeezed until he broke his neck. Silvervein escaped, limping with the silver sword still in his leg and rejoining his armies. But the bravery of Chief Elsifar spanned two wars and countless generations. <laughs>
So the crowds are getting back into their own smaller groups, and Ivan Barley Barrel, you are... Take a bow, of course. Yes, you take a bow, and you... Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you step off the stage. Everyone's cheering, standing ovation kind of thing. Everyone loved the performance. As you're stepping off the stage, you see someone you recognize. As you go backstage, you're kind of pulling off the wig, and you recognize your uncle is there, and he's been watching the performance. He's obviously a shorter dwarf, as he doesn't have any human blood running through his veins. But he nonetheless greets you with a big smile and a, and a hug and says, Kale! And brings you in for, like, a big bear hug. Oh, uh, uncle, how do you... How- how are you? Oh, I'm great after that performance. You're sure to make your ancestors proud. Oh, wonderful. And I keep having to tell you, it's pronounced Kal Un. Oh, it's just my nickname for you, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> my little Kali, you'll still be that little uh, half human, half dwarf freak to me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why I love you, Uncle. <laughs> you hold nothing back. <laughs> that's right. I'm a real straight shooter, aren't I? Oh, great. Um, oh, that's, that's wonderful, that is. Walk with me, Kali. Walk with me. So you guys kind of keep pace together, and as you kind of draw away from the crowd, he, he says, now, now, uh... Kaloon, that was, like I said, that was a great performance, and you've really shown your your uh, your true talents. And the council, the high council, has taken notice. What would you say if I told you to be ready to pack your bags and head for Westwick? I'd say it's about time, Uncle. That's right. The council has decided to accept your application for the excursion to go from the western coast to the eastern coast. Wonderful. That sounds great. Uh, are you coming with me? I have to stay here. There's too much for me to do, being on the council, representing the dwarves and all that. The king, Lord Alistair, Duke Erwin, all the big names, they were very impressed with your application. And us, as dwarves, are here to uh, side behind you as the only dwarf on this excursion. Hi, Uncle. Are you sure you're not going to uh, just focus on my half-human side again? No, I won't. And and let me tell you, the family members that have doubted you before and, and, and seen that as a downside, this is your chance to prove them wrong, that you have just as much dwarven blood running through your veins as anyone else. It's not that biology shit that <laughs> makes you a dwarf. It's the fact that you're an iron bar. Whenever you say things like that, Uncle, it makes me so glad that you paid for me to go to school. <laughs> That's right. Education is number one. The sciences are always been my favorite. Well, when do I leave? In two days' time, you need to make your way across the ferry to the Westwick. You're going to be going to a restaurant called The Goose's Gourd. There's a bit of a back area where uh, folk meet, uh, higher class folk meet. You'll be there to receive your next instructions and meet some of the other crew and be the next dwarf to enter the annals of the brave. What you just performed up there will be performed centuries from now in honors of you, Kale. I know that there's been, uh, there's been a lot of tragedy in your past and uh, your family has sort of looked down on, the, on, the, on a few things of you, but uh, I'm telling you, go at this with all the strength that you have and all the talents that you have, and I promise you, you will come out the other end with glory. Absolutely. Well, have fun in Westwick. <laughs> and have fun in the new lands. 
You're, oh, I can't, I can't wait. He's kind of like t- choking up a little bit. He's just like, okay, uh, don't make this awkward. <laughs> oh, sorry, you know how emotional I get. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> don't shame me for it. No, I'm shaming you. It's okay. <laughs> don't tear shame me, my boy. <laughs> it's all right. And uh, just so you know, I already had my backs packed. I knew I was going. Oh, how, well, how, how well, don't could get they, a big head about it. Well, how could they not accept me? Uh, well, they could have very much not accepted you, but I'm glad that. I believe I'm the only bard that applied. I, this is true. I mean, there'll be other bards and whatnot. Don't be just making up information that you don't know, know about. I mean, which one of us is on the council? That's all I'm saying. Me or you? Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That's right, Kali. Just listen to the words that I say. Be strong, be brave, and don't fucking question me again. Hi, <laughs> <Aye>, sir. <laughs> Part three, Westwick, Ias the Young Falcon, and the parlay of the three, one LT. Talon's Fort Tavern in the city of Westwick is at the point of tumult. Outside, the noise of the high tide festival rings through Old Town's Market Square. Within the stuffy tavern bar, the drinks are being chugged faster than they are being poured. Not a step is taken without the sloshing of ale. There is singing and fighting, drinking and smoking. There isn't a single face without a slapstick smile here. Except one. A half-elf walks through the doors. He brushes a few ruffians, and they stop mid-sentence to stare at his pure white hair and black irises. The tall, slender half-elf sits down at the bar and orders a drink. What his demeanor doesn't show is that he has been drinking since lunch. A short man, wearing a black overcoat with the collar raised, sits on the bar stool next to him, and when the man reaches for his drink, he reveals a muscular forearm. He finishes off the hard liquor and asks the time from the barmaid. The short man falls from the stool, revealing a height of three feet. Stunned, the half-elf watches as the bulky halfling exits out the back of the tavern. Then a shout from the front of the tavern quiets everyone. The final performance is about to begin. Make your way to the square to witness the masters of performance. The half-elf shrugs, shoots his drink back, and walks outside. Lanterns swung from cords attached to the roofs of the surrounding buildings, making a fiery canopy over the market square. The half-elf takes a tankard of wine from a wandering server and leans against the tavern to watch the performers take the stage. A high elf steps onto the stage and addresses the audience. Welcome one, welcome all to the high tide festivities. This is the moment you've been waiting for where the drama of the ancient times of Traylon come to you live. I'm Master Penvro of Westwick's Bardic College, the most famed historian of Traylon. That is right, we here today. Oh, I must say that you are all in for a treat because today we will be seeing the one, the only King Elric Whitehammer as he brings forth the Treaty of Trayland, the very formation of these three islands growing together to have a unity and peace. We now transport ourselves back into the first year of our Lord Thessla. <laughs> 
The War of the Threes has been happening now for about a century. This is bloodshed between humans, elves, and dwarves. You have all played a pivotal role in the War of the Three and have been called to a parlay to end the century-long fighting. A young human commander named Elric, who has long white hair, has taken over as Kinsdale's High Lord since Victor's death three weeks prior. He calls the group into his private smithy for the meeting. Inside, he, he is heating the sword of Victor within the forged flames. Welcome, friends. Take a seat. He gestures toward the eight stone stools and walks away from the sword being heated. He stands in the middle of you as you take your seats. Present are Tak Dune Canyon, Dwarven Warlord, played by Colin, Chief El Safar of the Elven Sandalwood Tribe, played by Taylor, uh, Abbot Kuthro, played by Micah, and General Alexander, played by Brad. The other four are generals seemingly at similar rank as General Alexander, and they quickly band together and take four of the seats on one side, kind of forcing you guys to the opposite side to sit together. They don't necessarily look happy to be there. You guys are kind of curious as to what's going on, but these generals don't look happy. A few of those sour-looking generals are actually staring down the abbot and your vestments especially. Elric continues to address the crowd. Gentlemen, I welcome you to the first peace talks of our time. What I want to propose may seem ludicrous in the face of the destruction we have wrought upon each other. I propose a joining of forces, unlike anything our lands have ever seen. Not like the submissive overtake High Lord Victor has imposed on you and your people. Nay, I have rejected the title of High Lord. If we are to band together, I would humbly accept the title of King Elric, the just ruler of the newly formed Treyland. One of the generals speaks up. Treyland? What the fuck is that? Well, General Tudyk... Trayland will be the greatest force of our world. Think of it. Men, dwarves, elves, all working together to make these three islands one flourishing nation. We can open up trade, align our armies, and work to erase poverty through our generosity. Another of the generals speaks up. Since when has the governance ever been generous towards its people? Elric responds. Since today... Since I created this council, a representation of our nation's diverse population, all of us brought under the banner of Thessla's grace. And he looks to the abbot at that point and makes the infinity symbol to his forehead, two circles with his hands raised up to his forehead. General Tudyk rises to his feet. Are you fucking serious? He draws his sword. Is that what this traitor is doing here? He's pointing his sword directly at the abbot. Elric speaks up. Lower your weapon, sir. He is no longer an enemy of the state. No follower of Thesla ever shall be again. For the state itself will follow the selflessness and charity of Thesla's teachings. This is absurd. You've taken this too far, Elric. It's time for this to end. And he brings his sword over to Elric and says, it's time for you to end. He yells and swings his sword at Elric, ah! who dodges the first attack, but then is tackled by the second general. The other two generals rise up opposed to you four, and they draw their swords. Roll a niche. 
If this is how they want it, then this is how it shall be. Elric, even though he's tackled and he's kind of wrestling with this guy, he screams out, Don't kill them! Just disarm them! The one who swung first, I cast command on him. I point my finger at him, like make eye contact and uh, scream grovel. He instantly reacts, drops his sword, and falls to his knees, and he just begins crying. He doesn't even say anything. Yeah. He's just crying at yeah. this moment, almost in repentance. And so I dash through everybody, and I try and like grapple this person who's on top of him off of Elric. You rip this guy off of Elric, freeing him. You've got this guy still held by the back mm -hmm. and facing Elric. Elric stands up. He grabs the sword out of the heated forge and whips around. And all he does is place the sword, but he places the sword on that general's face. And the searing flesh just like... Sinks up the whole place. Uh, it's like sizzling bacon. My mouth waters. Toasty. <laughs> toasty is not. That's a gonna thing. be no. That's gonna be my thing. I like toasty. In the name of Tesla. Toasty. <laughs> that general, he just totally submits and falls to his knees uh, away from your grasp, and he just begins crying in pain. And Elric says, end this now. He's holding a great sword that is just red with the heat of the flames of the forge. As everyone kind of like crawls away, one of the generals is still crying, and the other ones take a seat. Elric then walks over to an anvil, and he picks up a war hammer. But this warhammer is different. It's it's its metal is is black uh, through the handle all the way to the top. But the head of the hammer is actually infused with pearl, so it's white, Whoa. kind of infusing into the blackness of the rest of the warhammer. It's awesome. Thus giving it the name uh, Elric. King Elric, the name White Hammer. So he's at the anvil, he's got his Warhammer ready, and he turns to face the rest of you guys, and he says, this was the sword Victor used to stop this insanity, a war that has lasted a hundred years. Had he not been stopped, killed in battle, the world as we'd know it would have come to an end. We would have just killed each other. Elric then takes his Warhammer, and begins to strike the sword again and again, just tongue, tongue, tongue. You guys watch as this sword begins to curl and mend and, and meld together as it curls all the way back to its handle. You can't really tell what exactly he's doing with it, but when he walks over to the pool, he dips it in and steam emits into the air. And he takes the sword back out and it's now been formed into the shape of a cup and the, the blade has been rounded in on itself and the hilt acts as a handle for the cup at the bottom. And it's all kind of sealed itself uh, through the heated metal. He then walks over to a table where a bottle of wine awaits and he begins to pour the wine into the sword cup uh, until it's pouring over and even heating up a little bit at the touch of the hot steel. <clears throat> I, I uh, swirl it and smells like <laughs> red fruit, definitely red fruit. So he pours the wine and says, uh, Thesla blesses us with life. His memory sustains us and his spirit gives us hope for a brighter future, a future filled with peace. Please, sires, gentlemen, I pray that you share of this cup and help me form this land into what these three islands were ever meant to be, Trayland. He then hands it to the abbot first and asks of your pledging of allegiance. 
um, I lift the cup and say, um, in your holy name, Thesla, we give this to you. And I drink of it. Um, you pass it then to Tactum Canyon. What assurances have we that you can keep the humans in line? I can do it. I can do so with my brethren. And I think Chief Elf here can do the same. But what prevents an incident like this from happening again in the future? I have thought of this, Tack, and you are absolutely correct. You and the elves have suffered great injustices at the hands of the humans. I swear to send my only sons to each of your lands to act as collateral. If we are ever to break our promise, you may take one of these princes as as a prisoner uh, against me, and I value nothing more than my family. Want to rule our lands for us? Through your bloodline? Nay, sir. It is simply to give me eyes and ears as to um, uh, how best to govern the three islands together. You will have complete autonomy on each of your islands. It, it sounds to me like, like ransoms. Why, why would you be against such a thing? I'll agree, just to save us more bloodshed. Thank you, Talk. Perfect. Uh, you then pass it on to um, Chief Elsafar, and Elric uh, looks to you pleadingly. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this Thessla man, but if in the name of peace, I will agree to your terms. I thank you. I do not ask that you worship Thessla. I just grant this peace in the name of him. Again, to keep the blood shed at a minimum, I will agree. Thank you, Chief. <laughs> All right, save some for the rest. It's <laughs> a big, big sip there. Yeah, like some also. You then um, that was a, a, a peasant in the background. Yeah, fucking peasant! <laughs> Get him! Get him. <laughs> who, who let the peasant in? Get him! <laughs> um, you then pass the cup over to uh, uh, General Alexander, and Alric kind of puts his hand on your shoulder and says, "General." You may not know this, but I've been with you've been with me from the very beginning and uh, have supported me. Know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe just out of game. He's very (laughs) daft. You've been with me from the very beginning. Please don't, don't uh, turn your back on me now. Well, Thesline done nothing for halflings, but uh, I've always appreciated our friendship. So sure. (laughs) Well, it's a tasty. Elric takes the last of uh, the very last of the wine. We then come out of the historical scene and back to this stage being set. And Master Penvro wearing kind of a goofy white wig to which the half-elf kind of scoffs at because his own hair would have uh, played much more uh, uh, fluidly for the role. And Master Penvro then looks out to the audience and says, Now the cup is offered to each of you, the cup of peace. Drink and take your fill and celebrate this night. The peace of our land. And he then bows, and everyone's kind of passing out uh, extra tankards of wine as, as they raise it and do a cheer for Trayland. You, the half-elf, aren't really into it, and you begin to um, you begin to find your way home. And as you walk, you're like starting to feel the more of the effects of the alcohol. So you're, you're kind of like, is this the right alleyway? And after you go about a half mile or so, you hear footsteps running down the end of the alleyway 
coming toward you. You kind of recognize them. It takes you a second, but you see that these this is the small group of ruffians at Talon's Fort uh, Tavern. They draw their weapons. Some of them just have clubs, but the main guy you bump shoulders with has a dagger ready. And he says, I a freak. Are you ready to hand over your belongings? You wouldn't take belongings from a blind man, would you? Blind man? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his fetish. <laughs> fuck. I meant to say fuck you, but hey, it works. <laughs> He's a little drunk too. <laughs> well, you're so, a son of a bitch, aren't you? I really am. And he goes to stab you. He stabs you in the side. He's like, blind or not, I'm taking your things. And you now get a chance to react. I swing around my bow staff. And you just knock this guy across the face. Teeth are just knocked out. As you can tell, they're not very strong ruffians. And he uh, drops his dagger Ooh. and uh, falls to the ground. The other two step up with their clubs, and each of them takes a swing at you. The first one misses, but the other one just comes up and cracks you in the back of the skull. You hear guards rushing in saying, Are you there? Stop! As you kind of pass out. When you reawaken, it is the next morning because, and you know this, because sunlight's coming through the bars of a window in a jail cell. The main ruffian who you knocked out is throwing rocks at you and he's like, wakey, wakey. And you see talking to one of the guards and holding a few of your belongings, a high elf who is dressed like he should not be in this kind of place. He has kind of like a suit coat that has like the tails that frill out, uh, high socks and buckled shoes, that kind of thing. He's talking with the guard and looks over and sees you getting up and says, oh, good. And the guard lets him in. He says, hello there, Ayas. Ah, shit. That's right. You are a tough one to find. It's been rumored that you've uh, come into Westwick. I uh, may have something of yours that uh, is of great value to you. What could you have that's value to me? <laughs> Don't be so sure of yourself. As he pulls out a brown leathered journal and shows it to you. Says, okay, where'd you get that? <laughs> it was found on your persons after you were arrested. I was instantly notified that the seemingly blind white-haired ha white half-elf had been captured, and I just had to meet you. Is it true what I read in here that your bloodline goes back to the new lands? Hell if I know. Everything about me is written in that journal. Hmm. Well, are you willing to find out for sure? I'm a little curious, yeah. Uh, I'm actually more curious in kicking this guy's ass. Yeah, uh, actually, as you uh, as you say that, the ruffian has continued throwing rocks, and they've been pelting you. And uh, the very the very last one hits the duke in the back of the head. He turns around and looks at the ruffian, and the ruffian you can tell he's like not really sure, but he wants to look cool, and so he's like. Hey, I know you. You're the Duke Erwin. Ah, uh, you look real cute in that get up, you fucking cunt. Duke Erwin basically just walks up to him and says, that was a grave mistake. And he pulls a dagger real quick and stabs right into his jugular and comes back out as blood just squirts everywhere. And this guy is 
he's just like, oh, more confused than in pain. And as he just falls to the ground, uh, sliding against the jail bars, his friends like kind of sit up more straight and back away. And Duke Erwin turns around facing you again, takes out a cloth, wipes the blood from the blade and sheathes it. Sorry for the interruption. As I was saying, uh, you are uh, very interested in going to these new lands, I take it? I'm looking at him on the ground. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might have heard of these excursions the Lord Alistair is making in the new lands to discover the unsettled areas of the the country. Uh, I might have heard of it. I don't know. What would you say to joining this excursion and uh, possibly helping us out a little bit? Sounds interesting. What's in it for me? Above the renown and glory of being remembered for all of time in the annals of the brave... I can get on that. There is a large gold reward for each person who uh, makes it out of this journey alive. You had my attention, and now I'm sold. Let's do it. Very good. Well... In two days' time now, be packed with all of your belongings for the ship that is to be christened and uh, shipped off to the new lands will be leaving. Oh, uh, come on. Can would, you do it for me? Would I don't you? want to pack anything. <laughs> he just looks at you and like starts to go to his dagger and says, I believe you can do that for yourself. Wouldn't it be uh, Thessland, not christened? <laughs> Touche. The Duke slices your throat. <laughs> Micah. Oh, we got to do it out of life, game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the ship is to be Thessland. <laughs> I'm flipping Micah off. Um, to be Thessland, Both to head for the new lands. You'll meet myself and the rest of the crew that is leaving from here at the Goose's Gourd in two days' time. You'll receive further instruction from there. What am I supposed to do till then? Well, pack, jerk off, and practice that bow staff of yours, because obviously (laughs) it didn't get you out of that sticky predicament. All right, now you're pushing it. I love to push buttons. You'll find out that about me rather quickly. I'll see you in two days' time. Well, why don't you get me out of this cage? Uh, done and done. You're free to go. Get your belongings from the god, and we're done here. I will see you in two days' time. And you're just Shit. left with the crying ruffians in the jail cell in Westwick. Part four. Westwick, Old Town. Rory, the Hammer, Kilgannon, and the capture of Lady Brit. Inside Talon's Fort Tavern sits a tan-skinned halfling with a black-braided ponytail falling over his coat. He feels the eyes of the freakish white-haired half-elf next to him. So he asks the barmaid the time and then steps out the back door, leaving behind the cacophony of drunkards. He follows a small path down a dark hill to the tavern's well-lit stables. When he reaches the entrance, he sees two ruffian guards at the stable doors. He barely looks up at them before one of the guards nods and pulls the barn door open. Inside, the halfling throws off his jacket, revealing a chiseled body and tribal tattoos of an eagle on his chest, the wingspan reaching from bicep to bicep. 
Inside the stables is an unusual sight. The barn is well lit and crowded with Old Town's finest gangsters, gamblers, thieves, and castaways. In the midst of the crowd, a clearing has been made where a circle of attendees are already cheering and shouting names. Some are yelling from the hayloft, and a few brave souls sit and watch from the rafters. A burly man with a curled mustache enters the center of the ring. Gentlemen, and... He looks around. Gentlemen! Tonight's the night you've all been waiting for. Make sure all your bets have been entered. Tonight's the night you've all been waiting for. The championship fight of 1299. And the crowd is just going crazy. In this corner, the crusher of skulls. He's, of course, the one, the only, Master Basher. A shirtless half-orc turns around and faces the crowd. His black, greasy hair hangs loose, outlining his face. He roars, and the crowd goes crazy. And here to steal the title. He's not a smidgen of a midgen. He's wholly halfling. Watch your balls, because here comes the hammer. The halfling breaks through the crowd and addresses the audience. And the battle begins. The the half-orc uh, sees you break through the crowd, and he comes swinging at you with the first fist. He gets you right in the gut. So this just, like, I, I just get a big grin on my face, mm-hmm. um, and I just get ticked off, and I, like, it's a, hap- it's a happy ticked off, though. Ooh, yeah. And I go into a rage, and I, um, I try and grapple him. After getting punched in the stomach, you just, like, push his arm away and kind of, like, get one arm up around his waist, and the other one, you take his leg, and even though he's fighting off, you have just totally caught him off guard, and you lift him up. He's now over your head and completely at your mercy. I just get him in a, just get him a squeeze, and I say, uh, you, you give up, Jabroni? <laughs> You're going to stick with it? <laughs> Never! Ah! Uh, I, I throw him onto the ground and I like bring my knee down onto him. Yeah, the mustache guy is like calling out all the all the moves. And here's the hammer with his backbreaker, and uh, the half orc kind of rolls to the side. He's not looking too good, but he uh, he spits on both of his hands and rubs the, his knuckles together. And he runs up to you and jumps in the air, bringing both of his fists down onto you. So the first hand, you grab his hand and stop the one fist, but the other one knocks you square in the eye. I just kind of laugh it off, and I was like, good one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're just loving this, and he's kind of freaked out. He's bringing everything onto you. It now comes back to you. You have a hold on his left arm. I yank him forward Mm -hmm. at the same time that I swing my other fist towards his face. You knock him in the jaw, and you can hear the crack. And he uh, he stumbles forward onto you, and he brings you. You know, how, like in UFC, like they kind of lock each other. He tries to like lock. His oh yeah, I know all about it. UFC. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm very familiar. Yeah. So he kind of like locks his forearms over your head and brings his face close to your face. Fucking happen. It's real muffled because you've literally just broken his jaw. Yeah, you break away. You can tell he's starting to get disoriented and possibly about to be knocked out. He's down on one knee, one hand on the ground, putting his other hand blocking the lights. And the crowd is like, hammer, 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 I I walk slowly as he's like reaching up. I walk slowly like behind behind his head. Uh And I'm like, yeah! And I like raise my hands and rally the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, this could end it all. Bring my arms above my head and like like lock my arms together. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, time for the hammer. (laughs) And swing down like that. 
Dude, giving you a victory point on this one, whatever I'm going to fucking call it. You, you land the hit, and his head slams against your forearms and slams against the ground, and the guy with the mustache rushes over, checks his face. One, two, three. The hammer's the champion, and he runs over and, like, raises your arm up, and the crowd is just, you know, half of the crowd is like, well, fuck, mm, yeah, fuck mm, this. Yeah. Uh, but the other half is just real ecstatic, and there was some there was some odds against you, so the people who won are very, very happy. So, hey, better luck next time, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> after the fight, after the crowds have kind of gone away, you've received, you know, your congratulations and, you know, you've gotten the, the title and the, the medal for winning. You're kind of out back at the behind the stables and you're cleaning the blood from, from your fists uh, at a water trough and you're also kind of like just cooling down outside. The water steams when it hits your skin. You're you're behind the stable. Yeah, it's real sexy. That's, <laughs> that's real hot. Is it that's slow motion? Hot. Oh yeah, it's okay. just like. <laughs> the crowds have kind of dispersed to go rejoin the high tide festivities. When around the corner, a man approaches. You're not too startled because you know this guy. He has dark skin, uh, dark hair that stands like several pyramids on his head uh, and kind of like tight curls. His jaw is outlined by a close cropped beard. He's wearing a duster, and when he gets close to you, he reaches in and tosses a large bag of coin on the ground. Uh, you've really outdone yourself this time, Rory. It seems I've picked the wrong career. Nobody chants Commander Leon when I walk into a room half-naked. You couldn't at least hand me my earnings, Leon? I did it for dramatic flair, really. <laughs> I lean over and pick him up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> After all I've done for you, you can't even hand them to me like a man. All right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll pick them up. I'll pick them up for you. Well, there there that. you go. And he hands them to you. So, uh, so Rory, there's uh, there's one last job that that needs done. I thought, you said last time was gonna be the last job. I know, but this is a cliche kind of, uh, you know. Every time I think you're out, you keep pulling me back in kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. But I've got enough dirt on you to uh, bury you for uh, several decades. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you've heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really funny exchange. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. Just accept it. <laughs> We're coming at the end of like four yeah, sessions. Right. <laughs> the creativity. They both, they both won one. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. So you may have heard of uh, Lord Alistair being named <laughs> this uh, this whole like Lord Protector of the New Lands, leading this excursion, boat journey, this and that. I've heard tell. Yeah. Well, uh, we need some able-bodied men, and you are the ablest of bodies I know of. I appreciate that. Hey, there's not going to be any vipers on this one, is there? Well, uh, I can't make any promises. Uh, me, myself, being of uh, the Order of the Flame, uh, you know, it's not best to have vipers around, but, uh, you know, we might have interactions here and there. Shifty eyes, shifty eyes. What do, I, what do I get out of doing this? Well, we'll clear your name, clear your family's name, and... Uh, my eyes get wide when you say my family. Mm-hmm. Now, calm down, Rory. Don't get too hot. I see that steam coming off your body. <laughs> Not only will your name be cleared, but it could be added to the annals of the brave, going down as the first halfling to ever enter so. 
Yeah, I've gotten uh, I've gotten some promise promises from you before. So, uh, I mean, how do I know that this time is legit and that you're not just going to leave me hanging like you've done literally every other time? Ah, oh, come on, Roy. <laughs> Why are you busting my balls here? Come on, mate. You're right, Will. <laughs> We've been friends. Fuck it. <laughs> Rory, they may as well call you the ball buster. Come on. Uh, no, I mean, come on. This is literally your one chance to get out of the game. You know what I mean? Listen, I'm in. Mm-hmm. If you can promise me, you'll mm-hmm. clear my name, mm-hmm. my family's name, mm-hmm. and take me out for a drink. Really? I have to take you out for a drink? I just want to pay for my free you drinks know the You know our relationship own. cannot be made public, <laughs> Rory. Oh, yeah. That's, I forgot about that. So you're going to be on this excursion, but we're going to act like this never happened. It'll be a lot of guard duty, that kind of thing. But... We also may need someone who can do things maybe outside of the laws of the new lands. And uh, you just so happen to be in the perfect situation to, uh, to do so. Do I have your uh, protection if I get into any trouble? This has gone all the way up to King Aston himself. Trust me, you have all the protection you need. Nice. Uh, so, uh... Pack up your bags, meet at the Goose's Gourd in three days' time, and we'll go from there, Rory. Any last questions? None come to mind. (laughs) I didn't think so, because I have one last question. Okay. On the night when you helped uh, Sir Quincy capture Lady Brittany, leader of the uh, uh, Athelstan's resistors. I feel like you should be the one to know. Listen, mate, it's been a long night. (laughs) Do you recall any of those major leaders escaping, perhaps? Of the resistance? That's right. We may have received something. And he pulls out from his jacket. It's an emblem of the White Hammer logo and a small note that says, We Remember Underneath. So we transport ourselves back 18 years to the year 1281. We're in the hinterlands of Denshire. Lady Brittany and her resistors have all but ceased trade throughout Kinsdale through their guerrilla tactics. Resistors have hidden their leader from harm, but a team led by the Viper Knight Sir Quincy has been led through the hinterlands by the halfling Rory Kilgannon. They've just come to their hideout, and as their men surround the camp at night, one of the team goes in to scout the small encampment. They all watch as silently this member goes into each of the three tents, when suddenly there's a yell, and the scout is thrown from one of the tents into the middle of the camp. A resistor steps out of the tent with a sword stuck in her gut. She rips the sword out and yells, Ladies, we have company! Sir Quincy turns to his men and yells, Plan B, attack! Your whole team, it's about a team of four, comes over the hill to these three tents in the encampment where it's the leaders of the resistors. Now, for the rest of you guys, Micah, Colin, and Taylor, you can choose whether you want to be a resistor or a viper. Definitely resistor. Okay, so Taylor and Colin are vipers. Same with Rory, and we'll have you be uh, the resistance. Micah, we're actually going to have you uh, role play as Lady Brittany. I dash um, as 
close as I can to Lady Brit. Okay. Uh, and I try to get, like, if I'm able to pull out in front of everybody else, I'm trying to get as close to her as I can to be able to say something to her. Mm. Like, I have my Warhammer ready to go, but I'm trying to get close to her so I can say something and nobody else hear it. Okay. okay. Sure. Um, and I just say, look, I've got no dog in this fight. If you follow me, I can get you out of here. I just trust that she, like, understood what I said, and I swing, but, like, slow enough giving her a chance to, like, kind of just barely duck out of the way. You know, okay. like... So, yeah, yeah. So, I, um, I, I like, kind of matrix duck, put my hand down, and then I say, um, you have my trust. So, I, I stand back up. Um, I also feign attacking you. Um, so, I've got my sword, and I um, swing at you slowly, kind of coming down from uh, top right to bottom left. Okay, so I'm going to go to the two resistors that just came out and try to stop them from getting to Lady Britt because I still think Rory is trying to capture her. You kind of do like a cool move as you're rushing up and spin your blade, stab into right into her chest and pull back out. And she's just like, <gasps> and like falls to the ground even before she could have grabbed her sword. There's another one still standing next to uh, him and the resistor who just went down, but she's like almost in shock at seeing her fellow sister go down. I see that and I take advantage of it and I bull rush her. Great. With both arms out front and I just check her with my elbow. Your Viper character just rushes in and hits her, shoulders, shoulders her with all of uh, your strength and you just send her flying back into the tent pretty much. Oh, excellent, like, yes. The tent flaps just swing back and the whole <laughs> tent collapses actually on her. So the one holding a bloodied sword sees Sir Quincy and recognizes him and she charges to attack him she actually gets right in his side like right where his armor is supposed to connect she's wounded and she's using this sword that she got from the other viper that wow. she uh, tackled impressive. down he kind of buckles and hesitates after taking that hit and is just kind of like looking at his wound he goes to draw his sword and this resistor actually grabs is able to grab his arm and <laughs> punches him in the face with his own arm. So Sir Quincy is now bleeding from the nose and from the side, and he's just like, oh, oh damn it. And uh, we'll go back to Rory. Okay. Um, in the confusion, I, I kind of feign like Lady Britt's attack, like knocked me back, like kind of behind one of the tents. Mm -hmm. And I just say, I like beckon her to like follow me this way. She um, has her sword out and she's like, um, you're not getting away from me. And she like feigns attacking him behind the tent, but obviously doesn't follow through and follows him wherever he goes. Okay. I just say, uh, like, fo follow me. I know, I know how to get back out of here. You're going to have to leave your girls behind, but I can, get you, I can get you away. She kind of like looks back and sees um, them fighting and she says, um, they, can fend they can take care of themselves. Ooh. <laughs> like they're pretty strong girls. Yeah, yeah you I'm, just watched. You just watched the one woman yeah, like she go like up literally and took a sword out. out of her own chest or her own belly and nearly <laughs> killed the somebody <laughs> yeah. with someone else's sword. <laughs> right. I think they're gonna be okay. <laughs> so I I like lead her I guess back down the paths that I knew how to get like out of this area and try try to so, get her away. So you actually know the area well because this is where you grew up. These are the forests that you played in as a child. You know that if uh, she follows that ravine um, south. She'll find her way back to Denshire, where she could find um, possibly safety. Okay, I, you know, I tell her like, just follow that. Go as fast as you can. You can get out of here. I'll distract him and tell him you went the other way. 
Oh, uh, well, uh, okay. Thank, thank you. What, what is your name? My name is my name is Rory Rory, Rory Kilgannon. Thank you, Rory. Yeah, I'll remember this. And she uh, grabs his hand and kisses his hand, and then runs. And I was I was like real quick before you go, and I like grab like your sword blade, <laughs> and I like poke my side with it. Not like hard, but like I yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. a puncture cool. wound. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How this all plays out is Sir Quincy is ridiculously mad. He's overtaken the one woman who was attacking Rory. You and Sir Quincy and the two Vipers there are the only ones who know the person that you capture and take back to Westwick was actually one of the other leaders. Lady Britt has gotten away and hasn't been heard of since. The execution that went on was done with uh, sackcloth over the woman's face. Sir Quincy was too embarrassed to admit that Lady Britt had gotten away one last time. Sir Quincy went on to gain first knight of the Viper's Order after capturing Lady Britt, and he actually now is the leader in Octocraig. So this is all information that Rory knows that that only three other people know. So we cut back to the scene with Rory and Commander Leon. He's just asked you, did anyone escape that fray uh, on top of the hill? Uh, uh, Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Lady, I saw, I was, I didn't, like I've told you before, I didn't go to the execution uh, because it just, I, you know, I've agreed to help you, but I didn't want to see this woman be killed. But, uh, yeah, I don't remember anybody escaping. Leon shrugs and is just like, well, fuck. I guess, uh, I guess we'll have to put the Vipers back on, back on the trail. Apparently someone has been uh, still going for the past 18 years. That or a new leader has risen up. But anyway, we're going to the new lands. I'm sure that won't come up anytime <laughs> later on. Uh, like I said, have your bags packed and ready, and I'll uh, see you at the Goose's Gourd. Remember, we're not friends. <laughs> Don't worry, never was. Never were, never will be. Like, as in you have to pretend, right? No, I don't like you very much. I just kind of work for you. I mean, I'm kind of friendly. Whatever, I'll see you at the, <laughs> the, the Goose Gourd or whatever. Sounds good. And maybe, just maybe, I'll buy you that drink. Thank you so much for sticking around. Andrew was your dungeon master, or danger mom. Colin was Kal'un. Micah played Telnius. Taylor was Ias, And Brad played Rory. Special thanks to Sam Anderson for your guidance and equipment at the beginning of this endeavor. And lastly, thanks to Darren Pegram, our sound effects master. There is a whole team of us putting in hours and hours of work behind the scenes to make sure that these episodes are all top quality. So I just want to take a moment and recognize Colin Allen and Taylor Heidel for their dedication and passion to the production of Chasm Quest. You both are real life heroes. Okay, I've talked enough. Look for Season 3, Episode 1, coming to you soon. Stay rowdy, folks.